Hey again, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked on Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Really good, really good. There's one, uh, there's a big SEC news today, and uh, it sparked to me a uh, discussion worthy of the whole Locked on Bama podcast, and that is uh, Jake Fromm's departure from Georgia. Uh, and again, I like to talk about next year. I don't like to wax poetic about the past. Uh, I will point out how good Fromm was. Fromm nearly, Fromm was one play away from beating Alabama twice. Only Deshaun Watson has done that. So that's how good Fromm was. I think he, he's like nearly Deshaun Watson at the college level to, to some extent. But anyway, my point is how it affects the SEC in 2020 and the 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 roster of quarterbacks Alabama will be playing against is very interesting. It'll, it'll get you a little, it'll make you feel a little optimistic about 2020. It's not a murderer's row of quarterbacks that Alabama will be facing next fall. The best quarterback Alabama may face is game one against USC, and they have a good quarterback and maybe a good receiver. But outside of that, they don't have, they have a pile full of crap, really. So, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Look, I saw Slovis. Joseph, I saw I saw Joseph Goodman from AL.com put out his um, – by the way, we're doing this again with the cups and the string. Um, I'm doing this from my phone again. I'm sorry. I've just been on the road a lot, folks, but uh, hopefully you can bear with us. But um, anyway, Joseph Goodman from AL.com put out, like, his his top ten quarterbacks for next year. And he had Bo Nix, number one, in terms of SEC – Bo Nix, number one, and I think he had Mac Jones, either number four or number five, which I thought was downright comical. Um, number one, I, I would <laughs> I would put Bryce Young on the list. He didn't have him. But um, Mac Jones at number five behind, you know, the, the likes of Kellen Mond and Bo Nix. And somebody tweeted back to him and said, Bo Nix's best four games. He had like six total touchdowns or five total touchdowns with – um, about 1,150 yards. Mac Jones started four games and had almost 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns, and two picks, both against Auburn, but one was a butt pick. Um, oh, that sounds awful. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, to say Mac Jones is definitively worse than Bo Nix simply because he started a few fewer games is not very smart. You're just saying, oh, I think Bo Nix is better because he's played more. That that's that's not true. Uh, yeah, I put up my own list from Crimson Country Club. It's funny. Uh, I put up my own list, my own rankings. I didn't do it to the league as a whole. I did it by division, one through seven in the West and one through seven in the East. And funny that you mentioned that. I guess because I haven't uh, been so busy today with uh, with the law practice. I haven't been on Twitter much. I did not see Joseph Gilman's column. I did not even know that he did that. Uh, so it's fascinating that I put out a list the same day he did, and ours is drastically different because, oh, I had Mac Jones ahead of Bo Nix, and I know people would call me a homer for that. But, look, they were on the same field, and I know I'm biased. They're on the same field, but one of them looked like a much more poised and better passer. I know who won the game. I know if I'm sitting here talking to a room full of obs, they'd be telling me, uh, the other guy won the game. Well, okay. Ron Tannehill beat Tom Brady the other night. Who, who's the better quarterback? I mean, you can't judge it right. solely by that. Not solely by that. Uh, 
you can look with your eyeballs and, and, and look at the quarterbacks and say, okay, who's, who's the better passer here? Who's the better player? Uh, to me, it's Mac Jones. That's not even very close. Uh, and then throw in the fact, I, I would say the opposite of what Goodman says is true. The fact Mac played less than Bo and still put up better numbers is all the proof you need. Not that Bo played more. If Bo, if Bo played more, why didn't he any better? What's Mac going to look like after, after you know, 12 starts like, uh, like Bo's got? So I, I no, think I that's – Yeah, but when you look at the whole – exactly what you said at, at the top of the podcast, Luke, uh, Caden Slovis – from USC, Slovis, he's the best quarterback Alabama will face in 2020. And that's amazing. And and he's going to hurt us at, at times. Hey, well, I, I think one of the things that I'm going to talk about in the month leading up to that game is, uh, hey, don't make too many giant assumptions about what Alabama's defensive backs will look like all season. This is literally the best quarterback we'll play against. He's going to have his moments. They're probably going to score some points. He's probably going to complete some pretty looking passes and throw a couple touchdowns. And that doesn't mean that we will give up anything like that again, the rest of the year. He's just the best guy that we're going to face in 2020. And, uh, and he's a talented kid. Yeah, uh, he certainly is. Um, But again, he doesn't have a lot backing him up. So I feel like, uh, you know, that's going to be a a positive for Alabama, but you're right. Jake Fromm's leaving. Let's go back to that for a minute. That is Pretty incredible. And, you know, you and I, a little birdie told us that Jake Fromm may have not actually been encouraged to come back. I I mean, it's one of those things where it's sort of like when you dump somebody in recruiting, you kind of just quit calling them and they get the message. Um, And I feel like that's kind of how this is. Jake Fromm, we may have seen Jake Fromm's ceiling at this level. Now, maybe not, and and maybe I'm assuming too much, but we had some – some info that maybe made us think that Georgia may be in the market for a transfer quarterback. Um, and I don't want to get too far into that down that rabbit hole just yet, but they could be. And, um, it, but uh, you know, if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm a little disappointed because if let's say a transfer quarterback doesn't work out who on God's green is Georgia's quarterback next year. And Georgia may still be on paper, the most talented team, uh, in the SEC East and maybe even in the SEC in general. But, you know, with Florida coming back and, and they'll have uh, they'll have some quarterback play and they're going to be better, uh, with Tennessee getting better, and Georgia also lost Kate Mays to the transfer portal today, and everybody assumes he's going to Tennessee, which hurts Georgia twofold. He um, is going to Tennessee. So, yeah, I think so too. So, because his brother's there, too, and his, he's a legacy there. I mean, he probably should have gone there to begin with, but whatever. Um, yeah, you got to feel like, hey, all of a sudden, Georgia went from they have a great shot to be preseason number one if Fromm returns and, you know, a couple other things go their way to, oh, my God, they may not finish third in the East. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and while I do think Georgia's going to be an attractive program for a grad transfer, I mean, I, I think grad transfers are going to look at Georgia and, and see it as a, you know, as, as, a, as a good destination because it's an SEC school. It's a power program. Uh, you theoretically are surrounded by good, by good players. But who is that guy? Who, who is really good in the transfer pool as of now? Now, there could be additional new names. There could be names even after signing day. Uh, there could be names all the way up through the spring and the summer, frankly, in the way college football works today. 
But based on what we know right now, I would say the most attractive names out there are Jamie Newman from Wake Forest and KJ Costello from from Stanford, unless I'm missing something else. And while, by the way, I'm high on those kids. They're good players. They're NFL players, in my opinion. They'll probably play pro football, both of them. However, if at Alabama, if I'm in a meeting with Nick Saban and Sark, assuming Sark is still in our quarterback meetings, if, I, if I'm in a meeting at Alabama and they ask me, all right, we can have any transfer we want. Do we want Jamie Newman? Do we want KJ Costello? Or do we want Jake Fromm? I'm choosing Jake Fromm. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm like, Fromm? Fromm? Why, why would we even consider the other two? Fromm is considerably better than Newman or Costello, or considerably is the wrong word. He's certainly better. That's the way I look at it. And watch where they all get drafted. I think Fromm is no worse than a second-round pick. And Costello and Newman, if they get drafted at all, are fourth, fifth, sixth-round guys, if that. But yeah, that's I think you're I right. And no, I think I think you're absolutely right. And I think this is one of those grass is always greener on the other side of the fence type things. I mean, they're turning into people, fans who get frustrated with the player, and then they just choose what, what we talk about here on the podcast all the time. Fans that get frustrated, and then all of a sudden they want whatever's behind door number one, not this guy anymore. Yeah. I want whatever's behind door number one. That That's fine when you're talking about someone who's ridiculously bad. But, oh, trust me, it can get worse, people. And if you think it can't get worse than Jake Fromm, you've lost your damn mind. Oh. You've lost your damn mind. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. And, and you brought up Sarkeesian, so I guess we can go there next. Um it would be kind of weird right now for the Mississippi State head coach to be in the Alabama meeting room next year, but maybe he won't be the Mississippi State head coach. Um, I was listening to Feinbaum as soon as I got in the car, and I just caught the tail end of it. But he made allusions to the fact that Mississippi State may be targeting Mike Leach now. Um, it seemed like for all the world last night that Steve Sarkeesian was going to be the Mississippi State head coach. But as of this moment, 4.06 Central Standard Time, here in God's country, uh, he has not been named the Mississippi State head coach. At 407, and, he might be, but right now he's not. And, and look, I don't want stay at Alabama. I don't want Stark. I don't want Sark and Starkville. I don't want him there because I think he does a heck of a job in Tuscaloosa myself. I, I, I think, and maybe I'm alone on this, but I think he's the best combination coach plus recruiter on the entire staff. I think he's the best one we got in terms of good coach and does really well recruiting. Um, and th- those guys are, are, are very valuable, and, and he did such a great job with the offense. I know he's got a lot to work with, but but a lot of coaches have a lot to work with and don't produce like that. So I hope he doesn't. But that said, leave it to college football, Luke. If Mississippi State passes on Sark because they feel like, oh, he, he's not from here, he's a California guy, he's had personal problems in the past that led to his termination – I'm not comfortable with bringing in a guy they had to fire at Southern Cal for drinking on the job. Plus, you know, we got rid of the last guy because he's not from these parts. Uh, we're just not comfortable. We're going we're gonna to pass on Sark. So we're going to hire Mike Leach? Mike Leach, the most unpredictable behavior head coach of all time? The one that, that what, what, what did he do to Craig James' kid? I forget. I mean, it was some sort of child abuse thing. I don't know. It was over. It, it put, him in a, put him in a shed. It seemed to me put over the sh- time. Remember, he locked him in a shed. Mike Leach has done 20 things that make you go, what? 
he's still allowed to coach and he has bizarre. And I'm not talking about the funny stuff. I'm not talking about the UFO and the Bigfoot stuff. That's all entertaining. I'm talking about rude stuff that he says. That's like, he just said that. And, and when they say he's not from here, I don't know exactly where the hell Mike Leach is from. He might be from Mars. Forget that they didn't like Moorhead because he's from the Northeast. Leach is from Mars, Venus, or Mercury. I don't know where the hell Mike Leach is from. And it would just leave it to college football for a president or a, or, or a board of directors to say, can't hire Sark, too much baggage there. We're going with Mike Leach. You know? Yeah, that's, that would be a, a very interesting hire, and I think it'd be fun for SEC media days and stuff, but I'm like you. I mean, he's, he likes to talk about pirates, and he teaches a whole class of war strategy at Washington State. And, um, you know, look, here's the thing with Mississippi State. They, they can't just always use the excuse, hey, he doesn't really know the area. He's not really a, a Mississippi State guy. If that's who they're going after, their only target should be Joe Lee Dunn. But or Jerry Clower, but um, but you know, Mike Leach and the SEC would be kind of funny. But yeah. I'm like you, if if the choices are Mike Leach and Steve Sarkeesian, look, I I get Sarkeesian's past problems, and I, but my God, I mean, he's younger, he's more dynamic, sane, um, sane. He's he is sane. Uh, we think um, we have no reason to believe he's insane. Um, uh, you know, Mike Leach had some good moments at Texas Tech for sure, but he really hadn't done a whole heck of a lot at Washington State. He's been okay. He's been fine for That's Washington State. You can, look at, you can look at his career two different ways to where it's easy to be impressed with Mike Leach, and it's also easy to go, now, whoa, 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 whoa. What has he won? And that list isn't very long other than a handful of games. Well, you know, Jimmy, you said something else too that um, – he talks about craziness, and he, I think he said some, something. He pissed off a lot of either women or minorities. or so, He pissed off a group of maybe liberals or conservatives. He pissed off a group of people kind of recently. I don't remember what he said. He did. I don't yeah, remember it was what a political it was. thing. It was something on Twitter. It was, it was a, political a political thing. thing. And, I, but, and, and, you know, it's always good for coaches. Just stay the hell out of that. I mean, just stay out of it. But you know how people can be a victim of their own success? I think he's a survivor of his own failure in the sense that <laughs> if he were a better coach and he made a tweet like that, it, it would have killed him. But because he's just okay, it didn't make as much news. If Nick Saban tweets out, oh gosh, hey, y'all, uh, Governor Kay Ivey is bananas. Nick Saban, well, Nick Saban may not be in trouble, but if Gus Malzahn tweeted that out, Gus Malzahn would be in trouble. Um, or if he said, I love nobody more on earth than Governor K. Ivey. He would be in trouble because he's he's done pretty well. And and so it would make big time news. Mike Leach tweets out something that's offensive to a group of people and everybody's like, Yeah, but it's Mike Leach and he's going eight and four, seven and five, no big whoop. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. He is I think so, he benefit he benefits from coaching in Spokane, Washington, where he, he can't make that much news. What he says and does makes sports Twitter, but it doesn't really make big news because it's in Spokane, Washington. Now it's going to be bigger news in the SEC because it just means more. So it's going to, it's going to be a bigger deal in the SEC when he acts like this. And frankly, I, like you said, Luke, it, it would be some level of entertainment. Frankly, I would enjoy it because I think that offense would be eaten alive playing against SEC defenses every week. 
So, oh. I, 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 so Mike Leach certainly doesn't scare me. I'm just saying that I'm just making the one point of if a president or board of directors is not going to approve the hiring of Sark over off the field issues, but they're fine with Mike Leach. What, what, what kind of world is this? I mean, well, also, if you're Mississippi State's athletic director, did you go to the Phil Fulmer School of Hiring Coaches and Coaching Searches? Because you have you targeted Billy Napier. He publicly turns you down. To he's like, no, nah, I'm good over here. I'm good at law. I'm good in the Sun Belt. I'm, I'm good in the Sun Belt. I'm good right here. I got it right where I want it, boys. Um, there's ten. There's then, ten conferences, and I'm in the tenth rated one, and I'm not leaving for you. <laughs> and then he, they go after Joe Judge, who. Uh, you know, sounds like somebody that runs a courtroom uh, at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> I thought and, he was the guy that wrote the he, Beavis and Butthead series. Yeah, Mike Judd. Yeah, but so that's he, his uh, he. That's his brother. Yeah, the brother of, of Beavis and Butthead, and and uh, what was it? Uh, what was that other show with the not the Family Guy, but the like the King of the like Hill in Texas, and King of the Hill. That's it. Um, yeah, Mike Judge did that. But, year, right? And now he's head coach of the New York Giants, and it would have been a bad hire for the Mississippi State, and it's apparently a bad hire for the Giants because everybody's killing them for it. But now they they have backed their way into potentially what I think would be a pretty good hire in Steve Sarkeesian, and they may not get him in favor of somebody else, anybody else. It makes no sense. I mean, wow, they had no plan. It's, you know, I, I've been making fun of Joe Moorhead calling Joe in over your head all year long, but maybe the whole athletic department's in over its head because they had no plan for the guy. They had no plan when they fired him. They had no plan. And and so they had nobody on the list, apparently. They just started saying, okay, who did pretty well? Who's in a bowl game or who's finished their bowl season that we can call? Uh, but anyway, I think it's good for Alabama now because it seems like Arkansas and Mississippi State they were going to be pretty easy wins regardless, but now floundering. You know, those are two teams. Yeah, they are, they are floundering. And I think those are two games where you should be able to chill out a little bit and not have to play people late mm-hmm. into the ball game and et cetera, et cetera. Um, Jerome Ford enters the transfer portal. Uh, yeah, good, one of good our player. Good player. Yeah, good player. But you just summed it up right there. Good player. But we're, it's the deepest position on the team, considering that you can only play one running back at a time. And considering what we have coming back and what we have coming in in the already signed class that we signed in December, running back is the deepest position on the whole team. If you want to play and your name is not Trey Sanders or the incoming freshmen who clearly aren't leaving, uh, Trey Sanders plus the incoming freshman, that's four. Brian Robinson, that's five. We're pretty high on Keelan Robinson. That's six. I mean – Beyond six, how many can you play? And we'd still have two more in Chad Townsend and Jerome Ford to say to say nothing of the fact that Najee Harris is yet to make a decision. So, uh, yeah, Jerome, if you if if you want to play and get carries and play running back, uh, he made the right decision, and uh, we should wish him well. This isn't a guy leaving uh, that's mad that I'm aware of, uh, or they got screwed over or anything. He came, we gave him an opportunity. He started the very first game he was eligible to play in in terms of coming off his redshirt year. He started the Duke game. He was giving an opportunity, fumbled the ball in about his third or fourth carry, you know, in the first quarter of that Duke game. But uh, this was a good decision. I think if he wanted to stay at Alabama, his best path to playing time was moving to defensive back 
and considering he's never played on that side of the ball, it was going to be a big mystery <laughs> until you see him do it, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I can imagine how that conversation went. He goes to Saban's office. And like, Coach Saban, um, do you think I should transfer? And Saban goes, I don't know, Jerome, do you want to play American football? <laughs> well, why, yes, I, why, yes, I do, Coach. Then the answer is yes. <laughs> he uh, walks in there and says, I'm I mean, concerned about the amount of carries I'm going to get. And Saban says, you shouldn't be concerned at all. The third team safety never carries the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, that's a, you should not concern yourself with such things as carrying the football. No, how's your? You know, it's like that Simpsons where uh, where Homer went to Nelson and said, "How's your arm?" He said, "Oh, it's great, Coach." He said, "Good. Carry this note over to the coach and tell him we forfeit." <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how you feeling, Jerome? I'm feeling great. Good. You have no problem with your drive over to Louisiana Lafayette. Um, I wonder where he will go. I assume one of the uh, directional schools in Florida. But, hey, good players down. I mean, you could do worse than South Florida, Central Florida. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they, play, they play in some high-profile games if you want to transfer down. And I, I think that's probably the best level for him is uh, at, at the American Athletic Association or the Conference USA, uh, somewhere in there. Hey, even UAB. I mean, uh, oh, you, I, you'll I'd play – yeah, you'll play in a handful of big games, and and uh, hey, the NFL finds you. It's 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 not like the '60s and '70s. There used to be this thing about, oh man, if you want to play in the NFL, you better go to Alabama. You better go to LSU. That's nuts these days. I mean, <laughs> they, they draft quarterbacks in the first round from Division two schools. Ed Oliver was one of the most talked about prospects last year. He played at Houston, you know. So. Uh, you know, Jerome, now, you, you don't have to play. You don't have to play in the SEC to get yep. drafted. Now it helps because no, you prove yourself true, against good I, competition. I, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. And secondly, I wonder if Ed Oliver had gone to Alabama, which he, we were on his list, hmm. if he would have been drafted higher. Now it may not have mattered a bunch. I don't know. Did would he go eighth or ninth or something? Uh, he went in the really, top ten. I mean, he went he, in the top ten to Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo, right? Maybe maybe he goes two or three if he goes to Alabama, because he would have such a bigger name. Um, you know, people knew him. College football people knew him. NFL people knew him. But if you go to Alabama or you go to LSU or you go to USC or, or, or Florida or Ohio State, Chase Young is, is – if Chase Young were – a rose by any other name might smell as sweet, but if that rose went to Ohio State instead of Houston, that rose gets drafted quicker, Right. I think, well, it just removes a huge variable. I mean, one giant variable is proving yourself against the best competition. And when you're at Oliver, I mean, the first question you're going to get is, how is this game going to hold up to, you know, playing against a great opponent every single week? And, and, and you know, you don't get that answer playing in that league. But they'll find you. For instance, uh, the Senior Bowl director, Jim Nagy, uh, you know, there's, there's no bigger all-star game than the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy and his staff throughout the course of a college football season visit every single campus and no i don't mean all 130 fbs campuses i mean if you play college football in division one one double a two or three they have seen you they have been to your campus so no one is missed no one is missed uh you, you don't have to play in the biggest programs to be found but you probably should play in the bigger conference if you have the opportunity because you're removing a big variable because when they do find a an FCS cornerback, you may be long and you may run your four four and you may have 
12 interceptions in your league. But the first question is going to be, yeah, can you cover Jerry Judy? Can you cover Henry Ruggs? Because you didn't see one of them all year. Yeah, and the other thing is, and I know some GMs would say, well, we don't have to worry about that. This is something stupid to worry about. But, I mean, if, if you have a wide receiver who has put up astounding numbers at Abilene Christian, and then you have Jerry Judy, and you, you look at this thing and you go, you know what, I, it's a close call, but I'm going with the Abilene Christian cat, whatever his name is. Um, then I think your fan base would be kind of like, okay, but uh, – did you ever watch Jerry Judy do anything? Because he played against – he played in the SEC against badasses, and he did badass things. And, yeah, Appling Christian did really well in whatever other Christian schools they played, and, and maybe some a uh, couple of Muslim schools, maybe a Mormon or two. But, you know, Jerry Judy did things against the likes of LSU and Texas A&M and Georgia. So, yeah, we – I mean, you know, you got to make an answer for those things. Now, sometimes it works out. Sometimes a small school guy is a badass. But, you know, when I'm looking – when I'm thinking right off the top of my head, hey, where would the NFL leading rusher go this year? He went to Alabama. Who's the right. best quarterback in the game right now? Probably Lamar Jackson, who played at Louisville in an ACC mm-hmm. school. Um, you know, I mean, again, I'm just off the top of my head. Yeah, Jerry yeah. Rice went to Mississippi Valley State. but that was Yeah, we remember the exceptions. We remember the exceptions because that's what they are. They stand out. The exceptions yeah. that, you know, that Julian Edelman was a was a quarterback at Kent State or whatever. I mean, we, we remember that because, you know, it's, it's an exception. But the rules are the rules for a reason. In the, and most of the players selected higher from the big schools. Most of the players on the roster are from the big schools. Most of the all-stars are from the big schools. But there are exceptions. There always will be. Um, any other news out there? We got Mississippi State tonight. By the time I get this thing put up, uh, the game may actually be tipping off. But um, so, yeah, so we so uh, we won't know, we won't. So if you're hearing this, yeah, if you're hearing this is before Mississippi State, so we won't talk. It's before you know we're taping this before the Mississippi State game. We won't talk too much about that for that reason because when you're hearing this, the game's already over. So you know more than more than us. Uh, again, uh, you know in terms yeah, of the it, matchup, make us look stupid. <laughs> that's, not a, like, that's not a, hard to do. It's not hard to do at all. Yeah. I know, but it'd make us look even worse. Uh, uh, but anyway. They're big. Um, they're big, and we're, we run the floor, and they're big. And that's the, the, the story. And it'll be two very contrasting styles. Uh, we will have an extremely difficult in, inside matchup. They're going to have an extremely difficult time running the floor with us. And uh, that's the story. But if – Alabama is to have a good season. If we want to be in the NCAA tournament discussion, it is a must win for Alabama. It is hard to imagine an Alabama team in the NCAA tournament that doesn't win this game tonight. No, I totally agree. A um, couple of programming notes too, Jimmy. Caitlin, uh, is it Heffler? Uh, I Caitlin Heffler. No, it's Heffler. Mm-hmm. Heffler. Caitlin Heffler. Heffler. Yes. I keep, yeah, yep. I, I don't know. But anyway, Caitlin Heffler from uh, Bama Network. Hopefully she will join us on the podcast tomorrow afternoon. Hopefully we'll do a Excellent. podcast tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> so I've already hooked that up where hopefully she can be on with us. And also I will be on the Locked On Broncos uh, podcast tomorrow. And I don't know when that will be out, but we're just going to be talking about some Bama draft guys. And uh, they just oh, contacted me out of the blue. And so I was like, that's, that's awesome. So I'm looking forward no, to that. No, everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. Be sure to retweet that so uh, we can – we can listen to what you tell Bronco Nation about uh, uh, 
you know, about our guys because, uh, you know, Bron- the Broncos historically haven't drafted a lot of Alabama, haven't been a lot. They got Kareem Jackson out there right now, but but they haven't had a lot of Alabama guys over the years. And we have 10 or 12 Alabama players will be selected in this draft. Now, I think they're pretty high on Drew Locke, so I don't think they're going to have any interest in, in Tua Tungvaloa um, if they are high They'll on be Drew gone Locke. Anyway. Yeah, and I believe they are. Uh, but uh, a couple of guys, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who they should be interested in is a couple of our wide receivers, just off the top well, of my head. Well, that's what you know, the mock drafts I've seen have Henry Ruggs go in there, which I think would be a good landing spot for him. Um, but you know, you're you're right. I, that was one of the first things I was going to talk about on their podcast was Denver kind of notoriously doesn't have Alabama guys. Um, they did have Jeremiah Castile. They had Bobby Humphrey. Um, they had Evan Mathis, I think, for a while, did they not? They did for a while. For for a while, yeah, they might have um, Yeah. I'm not then, sure of about that. They have Crane but, Jackson now. But they're yeah, one of the few teams that, they're one of the few teams I think last year, because Cream, this is his first year with them, I think. Correct. Right. They don't think they had an Alabama player on their roster last year. And that's one of the few teams in the NFL right now that uh about this name. I think Alabama they dra- they drafted Triandis Luke. They drafted they him did. like the You're sixth right. round. And I think he stuck around for a couple of years. I think so. I think he was on the team for a couple of seasons. I think that's right. But uh yeah, they just haven't drafted Alabama guys. Now, I'm never a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe it's one of those, oh, John Elway hates Alabama. No, I mean, it's just coincidence. It's a coincidence that yeah. it's, it's never lined up. It has nothing to do with – they don't have some policy about it. Uh, if they did, it would, it would be really, really surprised. Why would you not like Nick Saban's <laughs> Alabama guys? <laughs> Saban guy yeah. sucks. He's, he's teaching them every – you know, they show up and we got to reteach them everything because Saban's terrible. No, I, I, that's not. Even Miami drafts Alabama guys. I mean, and, and, you know, they're still bad at saving. <laughs> that's right. So, no, good. Uh, so be sure, Luke, when you're on that show to, to, to retweet the Locked On Broncos, and we will uh, have all our Alabama fans listen to it and, uh, and see what you have to say about that. And I'm looking forward to Caitlin Heffler, Caitlin, and her uh, fellow uh, fellow anchor mate, Jade Saylor, Jade Saylor, uh, Really interesting, good show. Good girls, talented girls uh, that go to school at Alabama, uh, close to the close to the program. And uh, looking forward to have have Caitlin on tomorrow. She's from San Diego, and, from San Diego, California. And Caitlin. at the risk of sounding um, like a creeper, they are both pretty as speckled puppies. I mean, they just they're they're easy on the eyes, as they say. Well, they're be um, better. But boy, they're better look. They're I better just, looking yeah. on the radio than me and you are. In life, yeah. Um, so, it, uh, it, and also, I did, this just dawned on me, Jade Saylor and Caitlin Heffler, are there any two more millennial names than that ever? I mean, <laughs> I mean and, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I kind of dig it. You know, they got the weird spellings and the and the and a lot of Y's involved. You know, Alabama has so many out of, them. Alabama has so many out-of-state students uh, right now, more than ever before Alabama works really hard to recruit out-of-state students, and uh, I don't know their whole bios uh, well, but um, I do believe, uh, well, I know, Caitlin and Jade did not start their uh, college uh, careers at Alabama. I think they're both transfers. They transferred from other places. Uh, Jade was at Western Kentucky. I think Caitlin was at the University of San Diego, uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to ask them about their journeys to Alabama being from, uh, from so far away. 
and uh, and how they ended up at Alabama and how they ended up interested in broadcasting and just uh, their thoughts on the issues of the day. Uh, and today, to me, it's been uh, quarterbacks in the SEC and what a weak-ass bunch it's looking like this fall. And maybe our own Mac Jones may be the best returning starter in the SEC. Who would have freaking thunk that? He's arguably number and one. And he might not even be the starter. He might not even and he be might the not. And he might not. <laughs> True. Oh, man. I, it makes for a great offseason, though. I mean, instead of having a bunch of quarterbacks who are like, oh, my God, who's going to win first team all SEC? There's so many to choose from. We're kind of like, um, who's going to win first team all SEC? Because somebody's got to win it. <laughs> and for all of us, talk about it. And we'll mock it. We'll make some some fun and talk about how, you know, Ryan Holinsky, of all people, might be like the fourth best quarterback in the SEC next year, and we'll make fun. But don't laugh too hard, folks, because the same people laughing, like me and you, Luke, what was our opinion of Joe Burrow one year ago? So oh, yeah. so, so things can really change. And, and, and I think this group of quarterbacks that we're talking about next fall in the SEC, it looks one way today. It's going to look a little different <laughs> once the season's some a, a guy or two is going to emerge and end up being a really good football player. You know, I got into it a little bit um, in a nice way with an Auburn fan yesterday because ESPN posed the question: "Oh, who is next year's LSU?" And he was pretty adamant that he thinks it's Auburn. And I said, "Well, first of all, no. you know, you lose your whole offensive line." And he was like, "That's okay. They were terrible." And I said, yeah, no, but then weren't. by definition, what were the backups? Um, <laughs> and they and, weren't terrible. They uh, were bad last year, but yeah. they were pretty good in 2019. Well, what I said was, um, you know, if, if I'm picking a team that's an LSU, meaning a surprise contender, I think it could be Texas A&M because they will have a senior quarterback. It's Jimbo yeah. Fisher's third year. Um, Zach Evans will be signing there. They'll have a good running game. They've already got a good running back there anyway. Their schedule goes uh, from got, impossible to one of the easiest in the league. Hey, the check only out their schedule. Is, it's, very, it's very doable. I agree. The only catch being that they travel to Alabama and they travel to Auburn, but they've had a lot of luck in Auburn. And if it weren't for a miracle game two years ago, they went in Jordan-Hare then, and they're undefeated in Jordan-Hare. But, um, you know. No, I, think, I think they're better than Auburn. I'll go ahead and say that right now. Today I would tell you this I, no, I upcoming totally fall, agree. A&M's better than Auburn. I think I, I LSU totally and Alabama. LSU and Alabama are the challenging games on their schedule, and, uh, and LSU loses Burrow. And uh, that's that's beginning to be kind of a grudge game. And uh, A&M only has to win one of the two, and they are a serious playoff contender. I totally agree. And they, instead of Clemson, they play Colorado at home. Um, you know, I looked at their schedule last night. They could easily be, like, I think it's 7-0 and headed to Auburn. And, man, I, you want to talk oh. about a game that all of a sudden turned monstrous. Oh, their no. east game. Their their east games are easy. They're not playing Georgia, Florida. They don't play Georgia or Florida. So that means they have or Tennessee. Or t- so they have two highly winnable east games. No non-conference games that are tough. The whole West is down next year. Other than Alabama and LSU, they only have to play one on the road. So I, I agree with you, Luke, hundred percent. To me, I, I look at it this way. I don't even think A and M's a surprise. Uh, I, I think I expect them to be a double-digit win team. And uh, I think Alabama, LSU, and A&M, Alabama, LSU, and A&M are the three best teams in the whole SEC. Maybe Florida, maybe Georgia. 
Maybe Florida, maybe Georgia. Right, but, but I have Alabama right, buddy, and A&M better. We're about to run out of time here, so we better roll tied it up. Let's roll tied it up. We'll be back, uh, roll tied everybody, and we'll be back tomorrow with special guest Caitlin Heffler. And Caitlin Heffler. So tune in for the podcast. Stay tuned for her profile picture. How about that? That's a good way to throw it out there, I guess. I don't know. That's it. Well, yeah, I needed you to laugh more so I don't sound so crazy. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just worried. I'm just, I'm just worried about how this is going to go tomorrow, to be honest. <laughs> just sitting here worried oh, about man, how this is going to go. Caitlin. We're, we're completely harmless. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody, roll tide. Roll tide.